Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Howdy, everybody. We are back with another episode of the podcast. Back with our campaign, Beckons of the Herald of Steel. And the first adventure, the Queen, with the first quest, Scraping the Barrel. Many titles, many things, with not much actually completed. But our party have found out a many a thing going to Cooperford. First and foremost, we're going to keep it nice, short, and sweet here. Party found out the town, super spooky. The people, not very trustworthy, with a lot of strange things going on. A cult, maybe. Worshipping a certain demon, who knows which one? They met a certain lady, short, sweet, but also deadly. Who knows? They found a kid in a barrel, and he said that that lady was also short, sweet, and very deadly. Found a weird guy working at the Cooperage, also said she was, well, said it was she was the love of her life. But our invisible ghostly man in the last episode had made a lot of mentions, now with a newly found sense of clarity, that... She was not to be trusted. She had tried to get rid of him for potentially not believing in the God anymore and all that fun stuff. So basically, it seemed like that Lady May has usurped the throne and our party is well on their way to go get to the bottom of whatever's happening at Fort Southwatch as they are now uh, riding down in barrels down the river to hopefully get swooped up in the same way that they've been picking up people that they've been taking away as human sacrifices. Or I guess demi-human sacrifices, if you want to put it that way too. Um... But yeah, so I guess the last thing we saw was our party battling a group of goons working for our friend um, uh, Olimia, and they hopped in their barrels after speaking for the last time with Shereel, and now they're well on their way down the river. So the sound that the party is encountering pretty much throughout this entire thing is a very even measured, though occasionally a bit chaotic sound of just waves uh, against the sides of the barrels as you guys are going down the river. Just an even sloshing and bumping every once in a while as the barrels are all pretty well tied together. Um, but as you guys are going down here, occasionally bump into rocks. The swells over some of the, uh, the rocks uh, uh, seeming to cause a bit of foam and a bit more of like a rushing, wishing noise as you guys go by. But it's hard to tell how much time has passed, and especially because each and every one of you is in something of a very uncomfortable position, apart from Jarzak and the Jumbo at Deluxe Barrel. Um, it, the oh, group, it's a tight fit. It's, it's hard to figure out how long you guys have been in here. Um, it could have been hours. It could have been just one hour. It could have been eight hours. It's hard to tell at this point. But after so much time spent in the barrels floating down the river in the dead of night, um, there is a very peculiar instance where I'm going to need a perception check from everybody. What's the stats on barrels? Who? What's the barrel's perception? Am I making it as clique or the barrel, I guess? The barrel. The barrel needs to roll perception. Okay. we got to figure that's out. What, that's what I was trying to figure out then. All right. You know, I don't need this sass right now. <laughs> We are far too many episodes deep in this first introductory quest for me to be getting this sass about barrels. <laughs> just All wait. Right. Just wait till Shadowblade comes. I'm literally so excited that you said that because I have just the greatest comeback to that spell. And I hate you so much, but guess what? It's all going to pay off when I get rid of Shadowblade. And you know what? I'm going to still ask you what it does so that when you can't <laughs> use it, you can tell me what it could have done. So anyway, what do we get on our perception checks? I got an unnatural 20. Ooh, supernatural 20. 11. I got a zero. Oh, good. Is that because the barrel got a zero, or was that you? 
That was me getting a one minus one. <laughs> Sick. Very good. Seven. Okay. So everybody's able to tell pretty clearly that, except for Cleco, who got a zero, and apparently she, died on the on the way there. Cleco might just be asleep. <laughs> I mean, because she wouldn't be that tightly packed in there and just getting gently rocked by the waves. She's and just, just all it's late. Yeah, she just could fully be asleep. Okay. And so with that, the whole group can tell uh, that the sounds of the river seem to come to a very dull sound, and it starts to feel like the rocking waves that you guys felt before, which you at first imagined were just bumping into rocks or what have you. All of a sudden, that bumping into rocks feeling like feels a lot more deliberate and a lot more measured with even moves as if somebody's heave hoeing all of the barrels onto a shore. And as you guys all at the same time tilt at an angle and start to slide up a surface, it does feel like the party has been sort of beached on something or banked on something. Um, and before you know it, um, what do we have on our perceptions? We had the 10, the seven and the, okay. So, um, Anton is the only one who can hear this. And what languages does Anton speak? Oh, shit. Um, I didn't write that down. No, it's down. I just, I'm still getting used to where everything is on the sheet. All right. Um, look, look, we're on a podcast, Ronnie. We don't have time to hear you complain about D&D. &D I can speak common and giant. Oh, okay. Well, you're not hearing either of those, but you do hear some grunting guttural tones. Uh, kind of bassy voices around the what you what appears to be all the barrels. It's hard to tell because the barrels are all so well tied together. You could have just been pulled up all by yourself, but it's hard to tell. Um, but yeah, you just hear a bunch of grunting voices, kind of evenly hushed tones, but still in a volume that's not like as that as that as that. Instead, it's like they're just keeping their voices low, right? So instead, it's like zaba zaba zaba. They're just Sims. You are being attacked by Sims. We're across thing, this wall. Yeah, and they're no. like, And you're like, oh, oh God. No, guys, <laughs> I, I gotta get a job. <laughs> Why do I have this green diamond floating over my head? Zubagoobaloo. Like, no. What's a Simoleon? Like, and where do my coins go? But, Clica's okay. bored and she needs to pee. Well... <laughs> To Klika's uh, beautiful delight, a shining hunk of metal shatters through the top of the barrel and stabs within inches away from her scalp, um, but towards the corner pocket of the barrel, and everybody hears this nice wooden thunk noise outside their barrel, uh, and all of a sudden the top of Klika's barrel is ripped off with one hard wood-cracking motion, and looking down at you in the barrel are a trio of orcish warrior faces, each one more grisly, hardened, and brutal looking than the last, with porcine snouts and teeth jutting out from bottom jaws. And as they all look down in at you, um, do you speak orcish? No. Okay. Do they speak goblin? We can only hope. Um, but they look down at, at you, and they all look relatively surprised, but there's one of them who walks over from the side as the other three kind of like, uh... Hey, and this real brutish looking one with not a hair on his head or on his face to the point that it looks like he suffered severe burns at some point in his life with heavy scarring all over and a very firm looking tattoo that kind of crosses across his face. But he comes walking over to the barrel and he looks in at you and in the goblin tongue, he barks down at you and he says, he says, what is your fate? Um, I'm Klika. I have to pee. <laughs> Go ahead, hit him with it. Do, do you know Jarzak? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the most offensive joke <laughs> made on the podcast. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. But with that, um, it turns out this is actually just Jarzak's dad, and Jarzak stays in the barrel, and then nobody ever notices. Oh, man, that would make for a storyline that I'm not going to deal with. Um, and so with that, uh, the large one in the front that asks you the question scoops you up right out of the barrel and just like picks you up like a small toddler just scoops you right up out of it and like plops you on the ground and you're surrounded by all four of them. The three of them have spears at the ready. Uh, one of them has a halberd but um, and the leader just stands there with no weapons drawn or anything and he's just 
a rippling mass of warrior looking down at you. And each one of them looks like they're hardened in some sort of like a camouflage. And they all look really well armored and like geared up and ready to do some rangery kind of things out here. But they basically they're wearing like orcish ghillie suits, but they're looking down at you. And the leader one says, I know no Jarzak. And he says, oh, I should be doing an orc voice, shouldn't I? No, I'm just um, They say, you know no Jarzak. What is your fate? Why are you out. in the barrel? I bust out of the barrel. I'm Jarzak. No, you don't bust out of the barrel. You certainly do not. Why? No, not to open the one that says caution. Contains one orc. Do not flip <laughs> over. Contents may shift during transit. Mm. You might be right with that. Um, Klika's fate is Klika's. She does what she wants. Klika is her own girl. Um, but they look at you and they say, many bodies have been recovered in this river. We look for supplies and food. Do you have any of these? Um, I think I have some rations, <laughs> but I don't remember if I left them with the ghost man or if I took them. Hold on. So they all just look utterly confused by this maddened little goblin talking about how she left her fruit snacks and granola bar with the invisible man. <laughs> but, but they start to kind of look back and forth at each other and they look towards the barrels and two of the orcs on the back speak in orcish and the leader sort of, without even shifting his gaze from you, says, are there others in the barrels? Yeah. Why are you in the barrels? Oh, we're um, going down the river to do a surprise. And so they just look very confused about this. Very, very confused. But the leader takes a knee and like tries to get close to eye level with you. And it says, Klika, where are you going? Um, the ghost man said it was... Southwatch. Fort Southwatch. That's so where Klika's that going. The orcs, the one that's kneeling with shifting his eyes as quickly as he can away from you as to like just continually keep you on like as very close a watch as he can. He looks at the orcs around and you can hear them kind of like grunting back and forth to one another and they all start to kind of like take off in different directions into the bushes and the shrubs in the distance. Oh, goodbye. Where you're standing right now, you can tell that you're in a bit of a forested like thicket over here um, on the river. And it seems to be a spot where the river got thin, but you can see that there's like almost this spear that's got like a hook to the end of it that they've, fa they've manufactured to be able to pull the barrels up on shore. It looks like they've done this a few times, judging by how many marks there are on the ground over here. But the orc turns back to you and he says he says there is much danger at that fort yeah Klika knows that's why she's going there to help have you seen the burning dead um no are they the goats and so he just kind of like furrows his brow a little bit and leans in closer and he says you are marching into the furnace I warn that you may not survive this. Is there anything you know about Cooperford? Anything you know that could help me? Well, what are you trying to do? I can't help you if I don't know that. Oh, and I am here. Is it okay if one of, if my friends come out, and or so are that... you gonna put me back in? Cause we gotta do our sneak mission still. He starts to look back at the barrel for a quick glance, like a side eye, and he turns back to you and he says, I will close the barrel, but I will speak only to you. Okay. He says, I need to know, is there some sort of entry to Cooperford that the humans would not know of my entrance? Klika doesn't think so. Klika so just that, walked in. So he kind of just in frustration furrows his brow again and he says, so be it. I'm here to collect information. And he kind of looks at you with a sense of like, 
confusion for just a second as you answer the way you do and he like is taken aback as he's like frustrated that seeing a goblin maybe there'd be a chance that you knew how to sneak in or something like that but he like is taken aback for a second as if like he smells something in the air and all of a sudden like perks up like a unnatural sense in him and he stops and he like looks back to you with a very slow and sliding glance and he says why do you smell like pennies no, i'm just kidding but he says <laughs> nobody says it, it's been you know uh fermenting in the barrel too like the whole barrel smells like copper now <laughs> but and it is a copper dragon that you said well it's yeah it's copper I, or brass i thought it was I think brass it's co- yeah i think it's brass yeah yeah it's brass not copper but okay or bronze it's are brass and bronze to be honest, i thought it was bronze but i you know you said brass and i'm like that's a br i can stand by but no, anyway. it's brass. It's brass. Okay, fair fucking enough. So with that old Still old smells, no matter <laughs> well, what, yeah, brass the same is what makes up pennies. So with that, the orc again, as he slides over and looks at you, very slow and calculated, and he says, "Do you hear the call? The beckons. Have you met those who hear it?" Um. Somebody talked about the ghost man talked about the beckons. He said some stuff about dwarves and silver. And so for the first moment that you've seen this at all, this orc for a second cracks. Like you see like a sudden little crack in his demeanor as if you're telling him things that he's like, Ooh, like he gets hit with a little bit of wisdom on that. And he says, dwarves to the south. Oh, I, I don't, I don't, well, Klico wasn't paying that much attention. He was what? saying a lot. And so with that, he kind of snarls a little bit in frustration, and he, like, puts his hand to the ground, and you see, like, his almost taloned fingers as he, like, puts his hand to the soil there, and he looks up again after looking down in frustration, and he stands up slowly, and you can hear, like, his joints kind of creak a little bit, only now recognizing how old this orc happens to be, and he says... Klika, I do not know what your purpose is, and I do not know your fate, but I honor you for answering me and giving me time. He says, if anything I have seen at the fort is true, and if anything I have heard of rumors from my men, he pulls a single dagger out from behind his back, and he lowers it in his two open hands to you. He says, it is better to be dead for what happens there than to endure the hardship and torture of necromancy. If the need arises, use the blade. And before you is just this real ornamental looking dagger. And as he holds it over to you, you can see that there's like a small skull that's been like kind of carved into the pommel at the bottom of it. And the more you look at it in the moon's light with the stars twinkling in the sky, the more you can recognize through cloud cover that there's actually a single emerald in, in like embodied into the, into the um, top cross of the, uh, of the dagger. And looking by the weird size of this thing and the weird shape of it, it's definitely very ornamental, but do you pick it up? Uh, yeah, Klika's gonna like look at it and then pat around on her to see if she has space for it. I'm like, oh, um, okay, well, you can have these then, and she's going to empty out one of her pockets and give him the 10 rations she has. I'm like, okay, now we can trade. And like 20 pounds of food. Yep. It's lunchbox. No. <laughs> it is 20 pounds of food, yeah. <laughs> just every RPG ever, just dump all the useless trash that you thought was worth something, but... Yep. Because you, you said you were hungry, so now we're even. And then Kalika takes the dagger and puts it in her newly freed up ration and, box. And for a second, as he looks down and sees all these rations that you're somehow pulling out of nowhere space, <laughs> and he looks over the dagger as he hands it over to you again, and he says, I knew there was something about you. The stars told me to open that barrel. The wind told me to speak in your tongue. And I know everything in my being says I made the right choice. I hope that you will go far with this. May this dagger guide you well. And for a second, he stands up 
and he says in the goblin tongue for a second as he kind of turns away but like turns his head over shoulder a slight bit and he says in the goblin tongue he says something akin to this idea he says like though we wander we all walk the same path and the path of the righteous few is that of the true carbock there and so he just kind of turns and turns literally invisible and you just see a couple of pastures of, of bushes spread apart and with that a single orc comes running out of the bushes and sees all the food out here and starts to scoop it up and he looks down at you and snorts a little bit and he just like looks at you hold the dagger and he just looks over at the barrels and he starts to kind of like give a gesture of like get the fuck in the barrel and hurry up 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 and he <laughs> just like her arms up to be lifted back up into the barrel because she got pulled out of it it wasn't tipped over <laughs> and so he he just drops you in there with a quick dunk and yeah and then he takes the wooden cap back over and he starts to hammer it on soundly and you can see a couple of wood splints get like shoved into the corner where they first broke through with the crowbar um but yeah this dagger in your hands when you hold it it feels oddly cold to the touch but the balance on it is something that cannot be mistaken um as you hold this thing you can tell that there is some level of like odd kinship that you feel to it as if like it feels like as you hold it it feels like even though it's got a perfectly fine handle you feel almost as if like this steel has been hardened through a thousand death grips to the point that you feel like a thousand people's hands have clenched this and you feel like the indents of fingers but as you look it over there are no indents there and so like as you hold it it just feels so perfectly weighted and fitted to your hand for stabbing and throwing and stuff that it just feels like your hand was meant to hold this for some reason. And as you wield it, and while you wield it, um, all of a sudden, those flitting memories of the orcs kind of murmuring and burping back and forth to one another start to have a little bit more clarity in your mind, as if looking back on like childhood memories and realizing things that were a little bit darker than they seemed. And all of a sudden, you start to realize what they were saying, as if given some second level of understanding, and as long as you are attuned to this weapon, you have uh, Orcish as a language that you can speak. Um, and you also, at this point, are able to double your dark vision. Nice. Cool. And so there's that, I suppose. But all the barrels are now floating down the river yet again. Um, and the group just continue floating down for another few hours. And uh, after a few more hours of this, it seems like the same kind of feeling is arriving again, which is probably terrifying for everybody else who was in the barrels and didn't have anything happen because you got <laughs> pushed up on something and then fell back down. You heard the crunching of wood and a couple like, what the fuck is going on? And then Kalika just shows up with swag dagger and they're like, what happened? She's like, I found my master. But with that, um, the group uh, feel a very similar situation as you guys bonk into something very hard and everybody shifts very aggressively for just a moment. Um, and you guys can hear the sounds of grunting voices and you hear in the common tongue sort of shouting and echoing down a bit of a cavern. You guys can hear the sound of a couple of men and one of them's yelling. They say, oh my gosh, it sounds like we've got, yeah, oh my gosh, cultists worshiping the God of death. Oh my gosh. Um, oh my god! <laughs> there's a lot of people in here but no one of them yells out and he says oh my god Alumia sent a whole bunch of them down this time and they say looking at the big barrel and they say wait a minute that one that big barrel there because they can't tell what we're looking at because they're still within barrels that big barrel we gotta save that for Alumia personally don't touch it apparently the contents are dangerous and then but that they say, well, I'm not rolling all these barrels up the stairs. We got to pop these open, tie them up. And so they say, all right, uh, I don't know. I guess we start with that one over there. And so all of a sudden, um, Anton can feel his barrel get shifted around a couple heavy times. And you can hear the ropes getting snapped and cut on the side of the barrels. Um, and at this point, a single crowbar comes crunching in on the top. Um, and the top starts to get split open. Was there something you want to do preparing from a prone-ish position inside of the barrel, Ronnie? As you're still and muted. Ronnie, you're muted. 
<laughs> Sorry. I could have done it for you. Like, Ooh, I didn't know I was muted. I want to sacred flame. You're going to prepare sacred flame for when the barrel pops open? Well, it's a cantrip. Do I have to prepare it? Yeah. It's just a matter of a prepared action. So that when initiative does come up, then yeah. But everybody else who's inside their barrels, you guys can feel that the amount of like snugness on the tops of these barrels when trying to pump them open is kind of brutal. Like these barrels are very well made. There's a reason why Cooperford is as good as they are. Like these don't open unless they are supposed to be opened. So everybody who's even like trying to like push up against it or anything, the amount of strength it would take to do it is going to be very, very difficult. And I imagine that hearing these voices and hearing a barrel getting crunched and cracked open is probably going to stir a bunch of, I don't know, tenacity in probably Jarzak, Norhill, and Klika. Maybe not Klika. I don't know what Klika's up to. She's got a juice box in her blankie. Um, she gave all her juice boxes away. They were part of the rations. Uh-huh. Rip. Um, so what is Jarzak up to in that moment? You're muted too. Are you muted too? Is that what's happening? Is everybody just quiet for this? No, yeah, everybody's just super quiet. Um, what the fu- Were you asleep? <laughs> Not again. Not again. I forgot that happened. Yeah, but anyway. That's on YouTube. Go check it out. It is on YouTube. <laughs> I get sleepy sometimes, guys. These are all facts. That's weird. I didn't even think about that. So anyway, what what is Jarzak going to be trying to get out? Uh, so would Jarzak know that like he, this is going to be tough to break out of? Yes. Because he's snug, like you were saying. Okay. Uh, Jarzak's just going to sit tight. Okay. And what's Norhill up to? So Norhill is going to prepare to bull rush uh, whoever comes to open his barrel. Like, you know, as soon as you know they pop the top and loosen it, he's going to pop out and try to tackle them to the ground. That's fair. Okay. And then was Klika going to be doing anything important when the barrel pops open? Or is she going to try to get out or something? Um, uh, no, I think Klika's just going to the tight and wait for the barrel to be opened because she knows she can't get it out herself and just friend or foe it's not gonna matter she'll she'll make that decision when the barrel gets opened okay um and so what i am gonna say happens though uh is jarzak inside your barrel um you notice something kind of alarming as a large centipede somehow kind of crawls out of your leg sleeve like your like your pant leg there yeah leg sleeve out of your pant leg and you just all of a sudden feel like you know when you feel like your leg hairs or whatever kind of like bristle on your pants Uh. and you like but like you're sitting still and somehow your leg hairs move but you feel this grisly black centipede come like wriggling out and in your dark vision you look too cramped to really move around too much but you see the centipede come wriggling out and crawl down past your boots and just start wriggling up the side of the barrel here like getting closer and closer to your face and as you're like scuttling and scooting to the sides knowing that centipedes can be incredibly venomous and deadly even at a small size the thing kind of like comes skittering up and just stops and it starts to like move its head around lifting it off the the actual wood of the barrel there and for a moment, just a split second, you feel this weird sense of like, I don't know, this weird dark shroud inside the barrel as if you're in the barrel, but you might as well be in some kind of Freddy Krueger nightmare for a second as that thing crawled out and you're like, I would have known there was a centipede on my leg, right? And as you start to feel the barrel sort of get more expansive and wide and all of a sudden you start to get the sink back feeling, the centipede's face starts to kind of like morph and grow in a weird way. And all of a sudden you see two black little pearl eyeballs looking back at you and you hear a single rolling mahogany rich voice just kind of call out to you and it says, hello, Jawzak. Hello, centipede? And he says, you know who I am. I have called for you before, and I am calling to you again. Master, what do you need? He says, there is one here who deserves punishment. I demand you exact vengeance on the one known as Olimia. 
and you just hear it like weirdly echo around you and fill in the space like a thick fog as you feel it kind of echo in your head and it says, you will be blessed, my son. You have the strength to overcome all obstacles and everything in your path. Okay. And you're just like, yeah, and? It's like, are you fucking dense? <laughs> fucking bug talking to you. But um, I shall spill her blood for you. He says, you will do more than that. I want you to behead her. I want you to see fear in her eyes before she is dead. Let her understand the debt to be paid. Why is he being a cock block, though? <laughs> like, but does that mean I have to, like, do it right when I see her? Or, like... For, for real, like, Jarzak's really torn up about this. He's like, yeah, but can, like... You know, me and my girl kind of, you know, hang out for a bit first. Jesus Christ in heaven. Um, so anyway, <laughs> as this is going on and the barrel first pops open uh, for for Anton, uh, can you roll me a con saving throw? Oh, shit. Can I ask you a question real quick? So with yep. seeing all that, would I be able to cast like a, a lightning lure to kind of like explode the barrel? Well, the barrel. Before that even happens, sorry, I, I'll I'll get to that in a second. It, okay. Okay. I got a nine. Okay, and so as your barrel top pops open and you're like all of a sudden greeted with the light of a bright lantern, one of those single little puff, um, what are they called? Like the little insecticide duster things that you use to puff. You just get hit in the face with a wall of like this talcum powdery fine powder. And as you breathe it in, you start to feel yourself choking up real brutally. And your head just does like one of those like laughing gas spins where you feel, or like that edible spin that you get when you descend into edible land, like real hard, real quick. And you just feel like the descent, you get hit in the face of that. And Anton's just like, and starts rubbing at his face and all of a sudden just honks out brutally unconscious in the barrel. And with that, they say, um, at least everybody else can hear the voice, and they just say, oh, bitch. And then you can hear the next barrel get a crowbar snacked into it. And then the centipede within Jarzak's barrel says, ah, uh, I think there are two more pigs for the slaughter. You won't do much good in here. And all of a sudden, you can see him turn into something of, like, a weird, like, I don't want to say it, like his shell starts to crinkle up and dry up as if you're watching like a time lapse of something decaying and you see him just burst into a pile of little white termites like as if like pus seeping from the wounds of his first form and it just all reads up to the top and starts to go into all the corner niches of the top lid and you can hear the sound of it starting to get like wet and maggoty above your head and as you like push your hands up against it it's like wet styrofoam like it is not sturdy anymore and you just feel this weird tingling in the back of your head as if given some new sense of purpose with all this so norhill has a crowbar thing come thunking down into the top of the barrel what's jarzak doing uh so does jarzak hear the crowbar hit the other barrel the next mm -hmm. barrel uh he's gonna pop out and cast the uh, lightning lure on whoever is doing that. Okay. So that you just burst up out of it, like that picture of a Yeti bursting out of snow. I'm thinking that's in one of the monster manuals, right? But you just burst out of it as if it's just a wall of like earthy dirt or something like that. And it just bursts like confetti all around you. And you pop up in what looks almost like a makeshift dock. It's just a bunch of gravelly stone and mud and silt. That's kind of just like this long hallway that's all wet. But there's a ton of lamplight in here. So you burst out of it, and right next to you are just these two guys wearing dark robes, kind of like what the bumpkin kids were wearing. And they are both startled and alarmed to see a gigantic orc pop out of a barrel and looking them dead in the eyes. One of them's got his crowbar lodged in the barrel, and you can see Anton fast asleep inside the barrel directly adjacent to you, with his head like held a wall, with his mouth open, his tongue dangling. And Oh, no. Okay. So you're going to cast Lightning Lure? Oh. So how does that spell? Yeah, out? so... What does it look like? Pop out, cast Lightning Lure on the one trying to crack open that other barrel, and uh, it's a strength saving throw. 
And what does it do? That guy. He's DC 14. Uh, it just it does a little bit of damage and pulls him towards me. Okay. So it'll just like rip him away from the barrel. He's actually only like five feet away from you as is. Um, so there really wouldn't be much of a need to pull them closer because they're already right there. Does that change what you want to do? No, I want him. I want him right in base contact. Jarzak doesn't want to move. Okay, lazy boy. All right, so go ahead, and it's just the same strength save. Yeah. Word up. Okay, so we've got da -da 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 -da, solid ten. Okay, so that's going to do damage. What does uh, it look like? So with that, Jarzak pops out, and he's just like, "You're mine," and points over to him, and this like lightning uh, lash like comes out of his hand and like wraps around him and he yanks him towards him. Okay, so he just like scoots up the five, uh, the five feet there and yeah. as he does his hood flies back and you see just the look of a scared, probably 30 year old looking guy. Uh, something of like a decently well kept enough beard but he looks haggard like he's been struggling out here. So as the hood like, comes flying back and you see the light of both the lightning and the uh, the uh, lamps around you. He scoots up. Does it do damage? It does five damage. Oh, weird. So he already looks bloodied from this as you crackle it and it shocks up his whole body. He doesn't go like full home alone lightning scene where he turns into a skeleton a couple times, but he's got boo-boos. So when when I pull him and he gets close enough, Jarzak's just going to lean down and whisper in his ear, you'll make a fine sacrifice. Does it so no one else in the party can hear it. Oh my. Well, so anyway, not from that nightmare scene. Um, uh, so now I guess we should probably roll for initiative. Yeah. I mean, if you think we should. I mean, we can keep doing this. I can keep yeah. just whipping them with lightning. I mean, as much as that feels like a great way to include everybody in the podcast. I'm knocked out. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'll I think we again. all got our scenes so far. <laughs> Except for Ronnie's scene was getting knocked out. Yeah, that was that was Danton's <laughs> big scene. Norhill's still yeah, waiting for his big time to shine. So what do we got on the... Danton um, can't be aggressive. What do we got on our initiatives? Nat 20. Jesus. Of course. Well, well I got a five, so... Um, 16 for Klika. Okay, so it goes Nat 20, 16. Okay, so it's going to be Jarzak, Klika, and then Norhill, and then me. Okay. Yeah, that goes Are we gonna have, I'm sorry, you're the sacrificial uh, lamb. What? Okay. What did you get, Ronnie? Should he, or should, yeah, yeah, should Ronnie roll for it? I got seven. Okay. okay, so you'd go before me if you could. Um, okay, so we just start off with Jarzak again. So, sacrifice boys standing right in front of you. Yeah. I saw a lot of hand waving that the podcast is not going to pick up on, and I'm just wondering what you're actually going to do now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. are we hand waving because of Dan's shoddy connection? Stop waving at me, okay? We all get it. What do you do? Uh, so, the one that Jarzak pulled into him. He's just going to now come down with his battle axe with on right on top of him. Uh, and that's, uh, that's a 10 to hit. A 10 to hit? Yeah, that's not going to work on him, right? So what else are you going to do during your turn? So you try to swing it and he ducks to the side in fear. Anything else? Any move actions or anything? No. Okay, so you're just gonna stand in the barrel like a whack-a-mole. Well, no, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll get out of the barrel, I guess, and go not on the boat. Sure. We'll just say it takes half a movement speed, and you'll just pop off uh, out of the barrel and like stand in the dirt with these guys. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, so now it goes to Cleeks. Waiting in the barrel. 
<laughs> okay, and it goes to Norhill. Now, with the crowbar still lodged in there, you actually have enough of an opening that if you wanted to like jump up and smack into it, you could probably push it open. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. Word up. Strength to your dwarfy ancestors. What do we got? Natural one. <laughs> you jump up and get an owie on your head. Fuck. Okay. Oh, that's rough. Um, okay. And so now it goes to these two guys, and one of them yells out, they say, Insolent swine! You will make a fine sacrifice. And the one that's closer is just like, Yeah, he just said that to me. Um, and so sacrifice. Both of them come running over, one of them using what appears to be like the pin that he was using to knock the crowbar in, and the other one pulls a dagger from his belt, and they both swing in at Jarzak. What's Jarzak got for an AC? 16. Okay. So the one with the dagger who's right in front of you, after hearing you'll make a fine sacrifice, stabs you with a knife, and he deals four points of damage. Would you say that like six hours in the barrels was enough to take a short rest? It was enough for a long rest, actually. Oh, wow. Perfect. It's cramped. Good. But Good it's like news. sleeping in coach. So, All right. And then so he stabs you right in the side, and he pulls the dagger back, and he says, We'll dine on your blood tonight, interloper. I'm just kidding, because um, we don't hear that word enough. Um, okay, and now it goes back to the top of Jarzak. Uh-huh. Jarzak's going to cast Armor of Agathist on himself. Okay, and what does that do? Uh creates a protective magical force surrounding me, uh, manifesting as a spectral frost that covers you and your gear. Five temp HP for the duration, and creatures that hit me with melee take take that damage. Okie dokie. So what does it look like on you? Is it just the spectral frost mantle? Yeah. Didn't want to have a pile of termites crawl around on your arms? Nope. That's that's too spooky for the player, Jared. I, <laughs> you know, Jarzak would probably be about that, though. So, yeah, we can. You're just like, great deceiver, protect me. And it's just Bart's like, oh, fuck, God. <laughs> like, why does he have to have the looks like they're just like, Just looks like these, those little termites. They're just like coming out of my skin. Oh, oh, my God. I didn't go that far. I just figured the, the, the ones from all over the boards would just start crawling all over you, and as they swing at you, they, like, pfft, jump onto those guys or whatever. But, okay. So you cast that. Is that just an action, or is that bonus action or something? Yeah, that that's that's a full action. Word up. Okay. And no movement and then I just stand, stand there with, with arms wide open. <laughs> <laughs> with arms wide open. Okay. And then it jumps to Klika, still in the barrel, and Norhill with a boo-boo on his head. Come on, Norhill, you got this. I'm going to try again. For the love of God, Anthony. Wow. Oh, yeah, okay. So with that, you jump up and pop the top off ears with a dwarven. And I'll count that as just your uh, half your movement speed. So you can hop out the barrel and be right behind one of the two in base with Jarzak now if you want. Cool. Um, are we using flanking? Yeah. All right, sweet. So I'm going to flank with Jarzak and take a swing. With your war pick? Um, yeah, the war pick. It's yeah. my only melee weapon. Very good. Of course, naturally. Uh, 18. Okay, so that's a solid hit. Um, was this on the one that was already wounded, or is this on the fresh one? Uh, so I guess that depends which one uh, which one is closest to Norhill popping out of the barrel. They're equidistant. They both moved up to Jarzak, and they're standing side by side. So, uh, so I'll go for the wounded one. Okay. And you got 18. So. And that's going to be seven points of piercing damage. Jeebus Christ. So yeah, you leap out of the barrel with a dwarvish... And you land on the ground beside the barrel and pull out your war pick in one swift movement, do a quick reaping strike and stab the guy, what, in like the ribs or something? Yeah, like uh, sort of like felling a tree. Oh, 
That's brutal. And you just take him down to one swift pull, and the guy falls down dead. And now Jarzak is covered in a bunch of termites and spooky bugs. So there's that. <laughs> Very good. Uh, and so the last, um, the last uh, uh, cultist here, he takes notice of the situation at hand, and he immediately tries to run away from both of you, and you both get one melee attack of opportunity on the guy as he makes a run for it, um, back up the hall. I'll take it. Are they flanking this guy, too? Well, yeah, technically they're flanking him for the hit, too. So you both get advantage on the attack of opportunity. 22. Okay. 19. Okay, so you both hit. So let's see the damage. damage. How much? Nine. Okay. Also nine. Oh, damn. So, yeah, between the two of you, so I guess... (laughs) I guess I'll it let makes you sense. go first. Norhill will swing low for like the knee or something with the blunt side, and then Jarzak just tabletop some of the up top. Dang, that's brutal. Go for that, go for that clean uh, head carve. Jack o' lanterns. Uh, um, okay, and so with that, the last one dies, and you guys can tell that Klika and Anton are not out of the barrels. But when Norhill hopped out and Jarzak hopped out, you guys could both see Anton taking a nice snoozy nap with a nice white powder all over his face and in his, <laughs> his, his barrel. Meanwhile, Klika's in hers with a brand new shiny dagger. Uh, Jarzak is still covered in writhing bugs. And Norhill's just like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> like, it wasn't that long in the barrels. This is a lot to take in. Uh, Norhill's going to go grab um, the crowbar that was from his barrel, and he's going to use it to uh, try to open Klika's barrel. Okay, so with the time and effort taken, you managed to plop it in and crunch it out, and the sound of the waves of water that managed to come down here off the river, um, you can hear them echoing down the chamber that leads to what you'd imagine would be like the body of Southwatch, but you can hear it echoing like a long ways down. So it does seem like it's a long tunnel down there. And as you crunch the barrel top open, it it just sends like raucous crunches of wood all the way down the way. But you guys can see torches and lanterns light the majority of the hallway down to the end where it ends in something of like, uh, how do I want to say it? Like a sort of like main chamber of sorts. Um, but you can barely see it from down here just by the nature of distance. Um, but yeah, once you crunch open the top for Klika's, uh, Klika, what's Klika doing? Um, so did you tip the barrel over to open it, or did you open it while it was standing upright? I opened it from standing upright. How tall is Norhill compared oh, yeah, to the barrel? Yeah, I guess that's a good point. How big is the barrel? You can look <laughs> over it and see in. Oh, okay. Like, so I, I would be able to see his head, like, peeking over, not just, like, a nose sticking over the edge of the barrel? It's like this big cartoon is just... <laughs> Nose just reaching over like, ah, the world. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> and so you yeah, so, yeah, up, yeah. up, click out of it. Yeah. And While they're less... doing that, I'd like to look over the bodies. Okay. Um, so again, the description I'll give is that they both just look like kind of hardened townies, but they both look kind of emaciated as if they've gone through a lot of hardships down here. Um, they're covered in black ink as well, and you can see some like old wounds on them as if having dealt with like battles of their owns. Uh, yeah, owns. Um, and you see like stab wounds and some uh, uh, like covered in patched up wounds that they have on them. But apart from that, they have like small trinkets that seem to have some occultist ties, like small jars of like what look to be like yeah, uh, earth from a graveyard. It looks like they have small vials with some different types of viscous dark liquid like blood. Um, overall for cash on them, there's about 15 silver pieces and 10 gold pieces amongst the two of them. And again, one of them just has like one of those belaying pins and the other one has a dagger, but that's about it for down here. Okay. So Jarzak's going to take pretty, pretty much all those items and uh, then toss the bodies in the river, Damn. send them down. Okay. Um, and is, what's going to happen with Anton? It's only because Anton's sleeping. An- <laughs> Norhill's going to go check on Anton and make sure he's okay. Oh, yeah, Anton is guys, just. She gets. Anton is like that grandpa at Thanksgiving dinner who like sits on the couch 
before and after the meal watching football, but it's just full mouth agape, head to the side, lolling. Also covered in white powder, so it looks like he has a big white beard now. <laughs> oh, no. It's Santa. <laughs> Commie cocaine claws. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but okay, but after checking in on Anton, he just seems to be thoroughly asleep. No, he'll try to like shake him awake. Okay, how vigorously are we shaking Peepaw? Somewhat vigorously, like not enough to potentially hurt him. Well, as but you jerk him around and his head say. lolls and his jaw flaps a couple times like a small puppet, um, Anton does feel this weird, like, brutal head trip kind of come unspinning in the right direction as you feel yourself coming back to consciousness. Um, so you do awaken, but each time you get a whiff of that powder on your face, you do feel that lolling, like, I think Kalika was I... trying to clean his face while Norhill was shaking I him. I struggle <laughs> and crawl toward the water and just basically dunk my face into mud and... Water. It just drowns. <laughs> it's hyperreactive to water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just out. Turns out it was just sodium. It just explodes. Uh, you should have probably did that upstream for me. Sorry. There's just corpses. Body dunks them. <laughs> in the water right next to Anton. Well, at least you know your party's got your back. But, okay. Yeah. Um, very good. Uh, so now... Um, I think uh, this is a really good spot to end it. So I will end it right there. As everybody looks over and sees Kalika's fancy new dagger. Hey everybody, it's the young Grognar here. I want to say thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you have anything you'd like to tell me, any questions or concerns, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter or send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. As always, keep it real, and more importantly, keep it dungeonous. Thanks.